Welcome to the Converge Community Church Podcast, where we provide for you the previous Sunday morning sermon. And now without further ado, may the Holy Spirit minister to your heart as you hear the preaching of God's Word. Okay, so those of you that are used to being here know that we, we most normally take a book of the Bible and go through it. So we took a pause from Matthew, and uh, we will pick that up January 1. Uh, I don't even remember when we started that, but it, our, our normal method is kind of take something and work our way through it. One of the advantages of that is the preacher's not preaching, preaching his pet themes. Week to the next spot, what's the scripture say? And we're just expounding scripture. And I don't know about you, I kind of need to know what God's word says. So we got four pastors here. Um, our, our heart's desire is this. We want to see God's people walking with Jesus, and you're going to get that from his word. And you don't need directions from me. You don't need to know who I voted for. But if you ask him, me, I might tell you. But I'm not going to tell you right up here. Um, that's, that's not what we do. We need God's word, okay? And we live in a, in a time and place when there's a lot of darkness happening, and we were talking about this in Sunday school this morning. And uh, we want to be God's people walking with him. His light is within his people. And his light will come out of his people. And the darker it gets out there, the brighter the stars shine. Amen? That's what happens. So there will be times we'll speak and there will be times we won't speak. Jesus will lead us in all that. There will be times when we are reviled for what we stand for in Jesus. And it'll be time someone's awakened to the Prince of Peace, as we heard it read today. It's up to God to do what he wants to do with his children, right? So again, we live in this culture, we know this culture, but we want to be people of his, live for that kingdom. That's what all Matthew's about, living for that kingdom. So when we're here in, boy, I am going to knock stuff over today, I just know it. So if you're newer with us, we do things like that just so you feel better about being here. Because, well, that is a disaster waiting for me to create. Oh, that really is. I'm, if I move this, will it fall over? Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Who said? I'm going to try. That was a don't try. I heard that. Okay. I'll, I'll receive that. <clears throat> that was like six of you at once. Okay. I won't. I, don't, I think that was a don't touch it, pastors. That's what that was. That O? Yeah, I have the gift of interpretation. <clears throat> okay, so we are doing these themes. And if I, I think this is in your worship guide. This is meant to kind of tell the themes. There's some stuff on here, as Mike said, Christmas Eve. Just kind of, so you can use that as an invite to somebody or a reminder for yourself in case you forget, which us pastors do have a tendency to do. So the themes. This week... Uh, doing a theme <clears throat> is very different than taking a book of the Bible. So I think Mike and Joe and Rob and I, we've all done it a little differently. And um, today is going to be Jesus' birth brings peace to earth. And we're going to think through that. How does Jesus' coming bring peace to the world? How does he do that? So we're going to get there eventually. But this is going to be, a, this is going to be in some ways, a, a broad overview. So again, <clears throat> if I go too fast, you can always write the office, get the notes. Um, there's actually space in your worship guide. It's not because we couldn't think what to do there. It's a space to take notes. 
And so I, I just commend that to you. Read your Bible with a pen in hand. It's good to see certain words. Take notes here. I listen better when I do that. Um, that's how I read books. I argue with the, I mean, I interact with the author, um, which is often a uh, discussion, um, though I did argue with the one I read this week. So just, it, it just helps, okay? So Jesus' birth brings peace to earth. How does he do that? Well, we're going to get there, but let's start thinking about this. What's peace? What's peace? <clears throat> so <clears throat> God has blessed us with a lot of children and even more grandchildren. Lately, we've had lots of times to interact with those grandchildren, especially this week. A week ago, we had the gift. Note my, it's not sarcasm. What is the word here? It's, it's a gift, using this in a, in a double way, of getting to watch um, Noelle's children. Noelle is our unmarried daughter who started teaching, uh, did the Spanish program, launched it in New Buffalo when they started, then got called to the inner city to a place her father would rather her never be because of the gang violence and all that. You know, you don't get to choose a lot of things for your kids. Do you know that? You get to choose whether you're going to support them or not. And <clears throat> I think it is her calling, but I would choose a simpler path. So she's taught there for over 10 years. And then she thinks God told her to take foster kids in. And she's had them for months before the pandemic, and it has been divine rescue all the way along. But she's unmarried. Third floor of her apartment. They are the, the mature ages now of four, three, and one. Yeah, exactly. So just keep that O in your mind. And so when they come to grandma and grandpa's and she's not there, go, o, go turn O up a little bit. <laughs> okay. So last weekend, <clears throat> uh, her, it was her birthday or, or near Thanksgiving. So her siblings, sisters wanted to have a girls weekend. So you know what that means, what we do. <laughs> no, other, no other partner here, no other no husband, no father, so we get the kids. It was awesome. I have never settled more conflicts in my lifetime. <laughs> it's, like, it's like amazing. I can, I can take the, can Good. So, <clears throat> I should do it with a water bottle. That's better. So, take a thing like a water bottle. So, there would be nebulous, it'd be a certain toy. That means nothing to the child. But if, if Trey would have this water bottle... Do you know what Damari would want? This water bottle. There could be two right here. He doesn't want those two. He wants that one. And if Trey would put this water bottle down, Damari would swoop. He's only 18 months. He would swoop that up in less than one and a half seconds. And as soon as he swooped it up, Trey would just put it down. What would Trey do? Blood-curdling screams. I mean, amazing. No words used. All this emotion. So I feel like... We continually were going around, like, how in the world does she do this, this one parent? There's two of us. They still got us outnumbered, three to, three to two. And we're, we're navigating, I, I, learned about, I learned that you can do a timeout with an 18-month-old in their crib. They scream bloody murder, and they're just fine, you know? And then you get them out, and you talk to them about it, and then they're good as, good as peaches. I mean, just like, all I'm doing is navigating all these conflicts. It was, it was like crazy. So let me ask you this. <clears throat> Is peace, oh, I wanted peace. Is, is peace the absence of fighting? Is that what peace is? Or is it something more? 
okay, we've got this big global conflict that's been going on for really way too long. I want those guys to sit down and get something figured out. So they call a truce. Is that peace? Is peace the absence of fighting or is there something more? I mean, I think to stop fighting, that would bring silence, right? But is that peace? So let's, let's switch. We're just saying, what is peace? So I think the pandemic stopped. I think we officially called it that, but the repercussions are still going on. <clears throat> and everybody knows this. Uh, there's a lot of things we learned during it, but one of the frequent discussions that's still ongoing is about mental health. It's about anxiousness. I mean, it doesn't matter what circle you're in. It's, it's small private conversations. It's the big public arena. It's social media. It's, it's everywhere. It's non-religious. It's religious. <clears throat> mental health and anxiousness. Peace has escaped many people in the last years. And one of the things the pandemic taught us is that peace is not the absence of fighting. I mean, you can separate two fighters, right? But separation and isolation, it brings silence, maybe, but not peace. So what's peace? Let me suggest this to you. This came up, I, I loved our, our discussion this morning, guys, that we're all there. <clears throat> You're gonna, you can see that we were tracking on some, some similar um, ways of thinking. I think peace is a quieted soul, it's a mind at rest. It's something more internal than something external. The external things will change, and if that's what your peace is founded on, you ain't getting it in this life, and most people don't have it. So what we're going to do eventually here is looking at scriptures and what the scripture says, but I want to suggest to you, this is it. It's a quieted soul, a mind at rest. Where does that come from then? Because you're not going to find that someplace else in the world. You won't find that with medication. You'll get silence, you'll get isolation. How does Jesus' birth bring us peace? So, Throughout the coming of Christ, think of the birth narrative. And we're going to go back and read Luke 2. I'm going to read a bunch of things. But in, in his coming, you see this announcement of peace. Later on, <clears throat> when Jesus is full grown, he's ministered, he's, he's done what he can. I will be walking towards that cross a few times today, so I'm going to just move these out of the way now. When he's, I guess I won't move that one. When he does what he's come to do, he's given his life for us accomplished for us a peace with God, risen from the dead. After that, <clears throat> he's ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. Right hand is what? It is the place of authority. He's there, in that sense, resting. Now what you have when the Holy Spirit comes upon the they are proclaiming to the world. It's a gospel of peace. It's a peace with God. So it's announced at his birth, proclaimed later. The gospel of peace, a quieted mind, a soul at rest, a peace in Jesus. So let me just ask you, do you have that? A quieted soul, mind at rest, peace in Jesus. <clears throat> That's a few beginning thoughts. So what I want to simply do here is walk through this like a story, which it is. Scripture, right? The Bible is a story, 66 books. And all of them from beginning to end really telling us certain aspects of the story of how God has accomplished redemption, how God promised it to us 
in the Old Testament, how we need it, why we need it, the fulfillment in Jesus and the proclamation of it, this is what we're part of now. It's all a story of how he does this in Christ. So what I want to do is walk through this, you might call it stepping stones. I'm going to say like trail markers. Uh, we got any hikers here? Any hikers? I only have a few friends. Raise your hands higher. Okay, okay, good. That makes me feel better. <clears throat> so when you think of a trail and trail markers, uh, think of it not in a wooded section, but think of it if you're out west on the granite. I mean, when it's woods, you can see the path cut through, right? So you don't necessarily need the trail markers that much. But you get into granite, and you're like, I, it's like you can go anywhere here. And the trail marker tells you which way to go. So we're going to go through various spots in Scripture, and they're going to operate like a trail marker. This spot to this spot to this spot. It's going to give us this storyline of how Jesus brings peace to the earth. So where do we begin? I think we begin with prayer. So let's do that right now. Father, I pray that you would help us, help us to hear you. I help my cough that not be so annoying that it just distracts. But Lord, in such weakness, would you be known? We thank you for that in your word and uh, how we'll hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, if we're gonna start with Jesus' birth, let's start with Jesus' birth. We have the announcement of his coming in Luke chapter two. I think this is the section actually that Joe preached last week in terms of joy. So let's read it together. Do we have it up? Do you have the whole thing, Ian? I'll just read it from there. Go ahead and do the whole thing. There we go. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, For not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be for all the people. Not just for you, it is for all the people. For unto you is born this very day in the city of David, Savior, who is Christ, that is Messiah, the promised one, the Lord And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with this angel a multitude of the heavenly host. This is a a spiritual army, friends. This host is praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, here's the phrase, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them, they said, let us go. The shepherds said, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. It's the announcement. He's coming. It's an announcement of peace to the world, to earth. It's announced. Is that the first announcement? First announcement? Is that the first? I see a couple heads shaking though. Is there another announcement? Those who shake their heads know are right. He's announced this earlier. Actually, I think we've had it read around the candle sometime. The prophet Isaiah, 700 years before, when Israel's on the, the threshold of captivity, he's announcing this. this. He's prophesying about a deliverer that will be unlike any deliverer that's ever come. One who will bring peace. So I'm going to look at two passages in Isaiah. Here's the proclamation of this one to come who's bringing peace. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 to 7. I'm just picking a couple of the verses. 
For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of, what's the word? Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it. Let me just pause there. Look at the phrases that he uses this child who's going to be born. The titles tell us something about him. The government. It will be upon his shoulder. It's going to increase. It's speaking of the extent of the son's reign, this child. We understand this is a prophet, a prophecy of Jesus. It's, it's what he will rule over, how far his rule will be. There will be no end. He is almighty God. That is, there's nothing that he cannot do. He has all power, all ability to handle everything, everything that you can think of, everything in your life. And while he is all powerful, he's not, only, he's not holding that power like this. He's also Wonderful counselor. He's the one that understands your pain. Then he will remind you of the love of God. All powerful yet tender and compassionate. He comes to help us in our inner struggles. Everlasting Father, bringing us to us the Father's love. Nothing that will prevent it. He is the Prince of Peace, bringing a rest to our souls, a kind benevolence so that we, his children, can freely live without a care in this world under his authority. But friends, it comes in relationship with him. It doesn't come apart from that. Isaiah is saying this is what's coming. Yet Isaiah goes even further. He describes this deliverer in very unusual ways. It's a deliverer who's unlike any deliver before, but one who will suffer for us and give us his life. He will lay down his life for us. Jesus' life was not taken from him. He gave it up for us. Pause a second. What ruler do you know of in any place in history that does such thing? This is a deliverer unlike any other. So when we read the Isaiah 9 passage and we're familiar with those phrases, I'm going to suggest to you we should think about every single phrase and what it says about Jesus and how different this is from any human being that we know. So here it is in Isaiah 53. Here's how he says it in terms of his, this deliver. I'm going to read verses 3 through 5. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised and we, he's writing about us, we esteemed him not. Surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement, here's a phrase, that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. It's Jesus who provides this for us. He brings his peace to us. How? It's been foretold throughout the scripture. It's proclaimed throughout the New Testament. What is this means of our peace? We just read it. He steps into our place. He takes our sin and the punishment that we deserved. 
This is unprecedented for any ruler of any time. And he does this for whom? He does this for us. The New Testament declares that there is no charge that can stand against us. Friends, the sovereign ruler of the universe is for you. Yes, we've failed. Yes, we've rejected him. Very true. Do not run from that fact. It's just not the end. It's describing how great our need is. There's no hiding this fact. But he has stepped into our place knowing all of these shortcomings and sins and there remains absolutely no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And here, I know words are tricky. The word no, it means no. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, Jesus. There's some here that really need to hear that word because you live with a feeling of self-condemnation. And if you're in Christ, this is what he says. Go back and memorize and meditate on Romans chapter eight. Is there any greater expression of his love? The end of that chapter, he says this. If God is for us, who can be against us? What's he mean? There are people who are against us, right? There are. They're just puny. It's as if we're, we're going to, as we follow him, we will be reviled. We should not shrink back from that. Let's not say stupid things so we deserve it. Let's speak reasonably and graciously. Let's have patience like the Lord has had with us. But we... Let us not be silent for fear of what might happen. As God leads us, let's live and be what Jesus would want us to be. If God is for us, who can be against us? He was pierced for our transgressions. He brings us peace. Amen? That's the first trail markers that are out there. It's in Isaiah foretelling who he is to come. It's spoken then from the angel to the shepherds. This is who's here. <clears throat> so the next trail marker I'd go to is actually in Jesus' life and ministry. And I'll do this one quickly. But Jesus' ministry and, and, and consider his ministry and his words during healing. He's often saying, go in peace after he's healed someone. He, um, he will speak peace, especially the post-resurrection when they think they're seeing a ghost. He speaks peace to them. He actually says it when he's calming the storm. Peace be still. Continually, Jesus is speaking some such things. There are very few occasions where this is not true. We talked about this a little bit at the 10 o'clock hour. There's some anomalies. So some, some will be like, well, I remember him saying that he, he didn't come to bring peace, but to bring a sword. Anybody remember that one? Oh, no one, so I'm not going to speak about it. Anybody remember that one? Oh, okay, a couple people do. Okay, so think of the, so when you see something, think of the context. When he says that, what is he saying there? There's some things that he's speaking to, in particular, the false righteousness of the Pharisees, which we've seen in Matthew. He's talking about there will be a dividing of those who will follow me and those who won't. That's the sort of the division. But particularly what he's going against is the self-righteousness of the Pharisees. And Jesus is very strong in his criticism there. Why? It's a false gospel. You won't save yourself. You will never do enough to make yourself good for God. It's it's whole denial of who we are. The only way peace comes is through Jesus who gave his life for us and then submitting to him in faith, just declaring all the weakness that we actually have, saying, you're the one I trust. You're the one I'll follow. And when that happens, it's all yours. When that's really true in you and there's the life of the Spirit in you, it's actually happened in terms of being born again. 
The Spirit will bring peace in your life, though it's chaotic and chaos all around. Yes, you'll be challenged with this on a daily basis. But He will bring that to you. He does it in His life. Go in peace. The next time that I, next trail mark I'd say, in terms of His life and ministry, <clears throat> is really in that final week of Jesus' life. So Luke 19 this is the triumphal entry. I'm going to pick up the reading in verse 38. Uh, they've been throwing their cloaks on the ground saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I'll tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. Okay, He's walking into Jerusalem. He knows he's going to be executed there. So pick, get, the, get the scene. As he's walking in, he's weeping over the city. And here's what he says. Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they're hidden from your eyes. The things that make for peace. What is that? He's going to lay his life down. They don't get it. They're out there cheering. They're going to turn on him in less than a week. He's going to give up his life. Because right now they're hidden from you. I wish you knew. They were looking for a whole different kind of king. But we have that. We have the whispers here in that statement. It's really the whispers of Isaiah 53. He's going to give his life. So the next marker I'd say, turn to John Chapter 14, <clears throat> this is right after the triumphal entry. Uh, about, a, you know, about a third of the book of John, Gospel of John, is really that last week of Jesus' life and then his, his resurrection. <clears throat> so he has some extensive conversation with his disciples. And I love that John has recorded so much of that beginning about in, in uh, chapter 13. But he's, he's saying things to them like, I, I'm gonna have to leave you, don't be troubled, because I'm gonna go and I'm gonna prepare a place for you. And listen, when I leave you, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm sending my spirit to you. My spirit's going to be with you. He's going to remind you of what I've said. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit, his spirit. So here's what he says. I mean, I'm just picking out a couple verses to kind of summarize this. 14, 27. <clears throat> just after talking about leaving the spirit. Peace I leave with you. My, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He, he, he's speaking them of what's to come. He's going he's gonna to be killed. He wants them to know what he's leaving. You heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I've told you... <coughs> All this before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. I'm telling you ahead of time. I'm, I'm going to be faithful to my word, my promises. I want you to know that. So when it happens, you know, well, that's, that's what he said. <coughs> I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father's commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. He goes on and speaks in chapter 15 about abiding in him. Apart from him, we have no good thing. Apart from him, we can do nothing. 
Chapter 16, he goes on and speaking of the, the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. He ends all this at the end of chapter 16. Here's how he ends this whole discourse. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. If I could summarize all of that he's saying in John there, this is, I'm just summarizing it. He's speaking of this peace, but here it is. Peace is knowing that Jesus loves you. I mean, knowing it. And he will do everything that he has promised. Giving you his Holy Spirit. Never leaving you. Inviting you to abide in him. And bringing you safely home. That's what he said in all that. Do you know that? This is true for the 21-year-old guy in Uzbekistan. Beaten by his family last month. Broken arms, broken ribs for professing faith in Jesus and being kicked out by his family. It's true for our sisters in Evan prison in Iran. Believers in, in illegal house churches communicating the gospel. It's true for our sister, Deb Rutson, who sits in a lazy boy chair with chronic fatigue syndrome, so fatigued she can hardly get up to go brush her teeth. It's true for the brothers in, in North Lawndale, Chicago, that have lost a family member, a loved one. It's true for the Apostle Paul as he writes to Timothy, that final letter, chapter 4. He, he's there in prison. He says, everyone has abandoned me, but the Lord stood with me. It's true for you. And whatever you have, I don't know what you have, but I know this. Brokenness exists in this world. Jesus reigns. He is who he says he is. He's left his promises for us. It's for us to lean into them, to know them. Peace is knowing that Jesus loves you. And he will do all that he has promised, giving you his spirit, never leaving you, inviting you to abide in him, and bringing you safely home. Peace is a soul at rest, trusting him. Receive his peace. That next trail marker I'd give, that's Jesus, some of his final words with the disciples. Now let's go a little bit further. Died, resurrected in heaven. Holy Spirit's come. Now what we have, and I'm going to do just a couple of these, consistently throughout the apostles' preaching, the gospel proclamation is a proclamation of peace to others. So it goes even bigger. So here's here's what I'm doing. We're looking early on is where it's forecasted. Here's who it will be. We're looking at Jesus' words, even fulfilling Isaiah, saying, here's how peace is accomplished. I wish you'd known what it would take to, for peace to be. We see it in his ministry. We see it in his final words. Now when the disciples are preaching it, he's gone. The Holy Spirit has come. They're walking this out in life. Right where we are, right? That's what it is. It's walking this out in life. So now what we're going to do is going to get, how does Jesus come? How do we walk this out in life in gospel proclamation? And how do we actually experience it, the fruit of peace? That's the next couple of these trail markers. All right, so I'm just going to say a couple. The gospel proclaims a peace through Jesus. We can do a ton of these. 
Uh, if you might be familiar, we preached through Acts a couple of years ago. I'm just going to get this expression. <clears throat> Peter's talking to Cornelius. Cornelius is not a, a follower of Christ, but he's a God-fearing man. He's theistic. And so, you know, God's given him this revelation. He calls for Peter. He didn't even know Peter, but God brings Peter to come and preach to him. He's a Gentile. Peter doesn't think a Jew should be around a Gentile, but God reveals to him through these visions how that should be. And when Peter comes to Cornelius, here's what he says. I mean, Cornelius has got 50 people gathered in his house. And here they are. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality. This is for everyone. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And as for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That's it. The gospel is the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. It's the way Paul writes it in Romans 5. He says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that accomplishes this. All right. This is how it comes. What does it do for us? So I think this... <clears throat> So think of this in terms of peace with God. Hopefully this will. The word fellowship uh, gets used around church a lot. I have fellowship with somebody. What's fellowship? I would call fellowship, it's a, it's a deep friendship, a relationship that is a quality of feeling like it's safe here. I'm known here. I'm accepted here. I'm loved here because of Christ. It just get these, these dement- there's, a, there's a sharing. One's not better than another. It's a really multi-dimensional word, but we use it a lot of times, okay? It gets used in church circles around food. It, it can have food, but it's a deeper thing than that. Here's how I want you to think about it. When we have peace with God through Jesus, we have fellowship with God. We have friendship with him. We can talk to him about anything. It's exactly what he says in Matthew, right? Anything. Scripture's so clear, wonderfully. He knows what you're thinking before you think it. So why would I withhold it from him or think that I'm withholding it from him? Because I'm not withholding it from him. Why wouldn't I talk to him about it? So all our fears, all anxiety, we can. How many times does Jesus say, I love the phrase, oh, you of little faith. What's the tone when he says that? It's not derogatory. He's not condemning them. He's just acknowledging. Okay, let me just say, I got weak faith. I, there's a couple of people here. I know you have faith stronger than me. I can, I can think of things you've said and done your life. I go, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I, don't think I'm, I don't think I'm strong in faith. I think I'm more often, I would lead the parade of those who are, oh, you of little faith. But when he says that, he's, he's going to communicate something of himself then. Do not be scared or in denial of the times when you feel like, Lord, I don't, I don't know how to believe this thing. Just talk to him about it. At peace with God, it's a, it's a fellowship with God that he's created. I think it's very hard for us as human beings to understand and grasp fully. But that's what this is. So, <clears throat> having a true, I'm going to call this, having a true realized peace with God, it should translate into something in our lives. If I have peace with God, here's the next trail marker. 
I think that translates then into a peace with others. That's what happens. If God has been gracious in this way for me, if God has forgiven me, I can also forgive others. And I got like 12 sermons and scriptures that just went through my head that I'll skip. But it, it's, it's throughout scripture. Let me pick this one. We did Ephesians just a couple years ago. <clears throat> Ephesians 2. What, what, did I give you 13 to 18, Ian? Okay. I'm going to read <clears throat> this just to get the context. But the whole thing in Ephesians, you got Jew and Gentile that for centuries have fought one another. They, they could not be around one another. And here's what he says. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's what he accomplished. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. Can I just pause on that phrase? If you're familiar with the marriage passage that you hear sometimes, how God joins two in one flesh. This is the same thing. This is what he does. This is all about God creating unity of things that are, that are apart. He, so making peace, that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For, <coughs> for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Man, there's so much I can't say there. But it's just this. <clears throat> All throughout Ephesians, he's saying this, the first three chapters, especially, Jesus accomplished our peace. And he did it Jew and Gentile. These two, they're centuries apart. He's making them one person. Friends, do you, do you, some of you remember this. So the word, the name converge, do you know where that comes from? Yeah, we're part of a group of churches that it's called Converge Worldwide. But that's, that's not what this name means. So, I've lived here since 88. I think it's changed a little bit. Pete, I'll look to you who've lived here so much longer. <clears throat> there, was a, there was a term, forgive me for saying this, there was a term used all the time for people that moved from that other state over here, and they were called FIPS, and you know what the F is standing for, and the other one was Illinois people. I, mean, I heard it used again and again and again. What is that? That's a hostility crazy thing is people have been coming out here for over 100 years from that city but that was it here's the guys that live here here's the guys that don't so we came and it's it has existed in the city long before we're doing the outdoor services and all that but we came here this is what we said and justin would say this all the time converge is these two groups of people you can call it jew and gentile you can call call it local i don't know when you come local but you guys are five generations i think if i remember the fellows aren't you liking one of those early cabin pictures yeah okay so we got we got as local as I know you can get, and I won't point fingers to everybody. We got some other guys got here more recently. But at the foot of the cross, we're the same. We're brother and sister. They converge together. Now, I've seen it. I've seen it in our small group ministry. People have lived here for generations, and those who got here somewhere recently, maybe during the pandemic. And you know how they see each other? Because of Jesus, this passage, brother and sister, doesn't matter. I want to say to you, this city needs that, needs that kind of peace lived out because they don't see it often. I would say since Converge started, I've seen it within and through you many times in many places to this city.
just land the plane. I got a bunch of things here. <clears throat> I'll just summarize it and say, when we've received peace from God, very clearly, if we really have, it should be peace to others. We should want it. I'm going to skip Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Uh, Sharon, it's the verse you brought up today. But I would say just write it down in your notes. But that speaks of how, it says, the one verse says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, there it is, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There's a lot right there. There's a whole context in terms of women that had a conflict. But there's specific instructions saying this. We get anxious hearts, right? Anxious is out there. So when you have it, there's a part of where we can rejoice. Rejoicing is, this is um, Joe's sermon. It's trusting God. But let that request be known to him. Shift it to him. Casting all your care to him. And do it with thanksgiving. How can, you, how can you do it with thanksgiving? You can't do it with thanksgiving if you doubt God. You do it with thanksgiving when you trust him. Trust is an active part of faith. Trust is not sat on the shelf. See, you're going to go through difficulty. And, and what that is, you, we, I tend to see the difficulty. It is an opportunity to trust God. Will I trust him or not? Let me say this. Those opportunities are ways that faith can grow if I'll trust him. I'm not comparing anybody's difficult circumstance one to another. That's not the point. God has given each of us different kinds of things, and here it is. Will I trust him? And that's an opportunity to experience the very peace that he's accomplished. And when we do that, it says it will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's a peace that passes understanding. That is, others will see it and go, I don't get you. I don't get how you are. Exactly. Exactly. That's because of Jesus. Now that's what you can tell him. I think going through adversity and all that kind of stuff, for us, for God's people, this is the opportunity to truly trust him. And if we do that, it's a better witness of Jesus than anything else that we have. I can stand up in a pulpit and shout, you guys need to do this or what? I don't. Now let us live with adversity with the peace of Christ in us in a way that it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It surpasses understanding. That bears witness of our Prince of Peace. Amen? It just does. So I would, I think thinking about those things is important. I'm going to end with this last thing. <clears throat> if this happens with us, then do I wish peace for others? And, with that, and throughout Scripture, you have shalom. It's a greeting of peace. Throughout, if you look at the Pauline letters, they start, the first verse almost always speaks of wishing the peace of Christ upon people. Does this city need that? <laughs> yeah. It needs that. And God's place is here to bring that in this particular place. Michelle had to leave so she walked out, but I mean, she serves in a government function. I pray for her. I pray for others that serve in such places. <clears throat> for as long as I've known, there's been contention throughout this city. I've seen numbers of you speaking in public gatherings and whatever where God's used your words of reasonableness. I saw it last Sunday night, as Mike said. 
The building was full. 180 people, John said, we had in there. People from both campuses, people we haven't seen for a couple years here. But the beauty of it was watching, it was the youth that got it. I think it was Evie who first said it to Cindy. Hey, are we going to go caroling again? And this mob of 60 went around caroling. And here's what happened. (laughs) You don't know when you go knock on a door, you don't know what's going to happen, right? It just is. Again and again and again, I heard it. I'm, I'm getting my car fixed on Monday in Three Oaks. And they're talking about the gathering they were at and how blessed they were that people came and, and sang. The one person, t- she says, you don't know how, she says, we were crying. One person lost her husband that year. I, on Monday, the, the one gal was telling me about how she'd gone through breast cancer and, and come through it. She talked about, she must be 40. She talked about coming to youth group way back when I'm a youth pastor. She's talking about, she's like, you got your car here today. I saw your wife over caroling yesterday. What's God doing with, I'm like, I don't know what's God doing with that. It's like, but it's all about caroling. And it's like, but what they experienced was shalom. It's just caroling. How many opportunities, how many ways do we have to bring peace to people? I just, I know that's what you do. <laughs> I look at this group of, that, that's who you are. I, that's why I love being part of this church. It's just all over. But God put us here, I think, for that. But it starts with this. All that we know that he said in Scripture, it has to be within us. It has to be within us. Is knowing and experiencing that peace internally. It's not simply absence of conflict. It's believing what he said and who he is right here. And then when that really happens, so let me, I pause this. So I think there's certain Scriptures we should think about, meditate on. That's what meditate, think about it. When it happens in us, then it comes out of us. Peace to others. Shalom to others. And that bears witness of our Prince of Peace. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I know a lot has been said today. I simply trust that you will take what is from you and from your word and you will take it home to our hearts in the way that we need. And I thank you for that and how you will do that in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. Make sure you come back next week to hear the next message in our series.